Hello and welcome to State of Crime. One state, two murders, lots of crime, but we're still doing countries and we're actually doing four different cases this time all in the country of England. Right. Because England has a lot of creepy, creepy cases. They do. And one of the first things we said when we decided to do international and talk about it was that we were not doing Jack the Ripper. Right. Because Jack, I mean, it's been so, although it influenced my choice of this case. So I'll Jack just, the Ripper did? Mm -hmm. and I'll, Jack the Ripper also influenced my choice okay, in yes. my case. So this so, is, yeah. okay. Well, I, what does Jack the Ripper not influence if you love true crime? Let's be honest. You know, that's, yeah, that's true. That's one of, I, that would just became such a celebrity case and I don't know, just endemic of so much that was wrong with Victorian culture. And if you really want to see that, there's a great, great series. It's on Netflix called Ripper Street that actually starts right after the Ripper murders. And it's based historically on some of the people who were involved in investigating the case, although it's highly fictionalized. And yet they do a great job because really that time period is kind of the birth of forensics in many, many ways when it comes to crime. Okay. And I would just really encourage people. It's, it's an awesome show. It's, it's frustrating. Like there's some of the most beautiful writing I've ever seen. But it kind of goes off the rails at points and sometimes is highly disappointing. But yeah. it's worth a watch. So I don't know how I still have this coffee. I know you're doing well with that. So, so my case today is one of those cases that honestly I had never heard of before. Okay. I don't know how I had never heard of it before. It's one of those that I feel like needs to be talked about so much more. Okay. A lot of people said that because of the timing of it, it occurs in London around the same time as the Ripper murders, and the Ripper murders were so highly reported and talked about, but my murderer, although she was only convicted... She! She! Ooh. Although she was only convicted of, I think, four murders in total... She killed somewhere between two and four hundred babies. Holy shit. Babies? Babies. Aww. So we're back to a very upsetting case, I have to tell you. So I guess last week's Thursday case was a good yeah. middle. <laughs> it was a good one to have between my case and my I case. needed I'm a witch bitches because I just, this one was so upsetting. This case, so I usually tell my mom just a brief synopsis of uh -huh. what we're doing. And when I was telling her about this case, she, she just put her hands on her face and went, oh God, oh God, oh God. Oh, I no. mean, so be prepared. This is oh, a bad one. Okay. I know. I'm ready. I'm not, but So this is the case of Amelia Dyer, who is sometimes called the Ogress of Reading. Okay. All right. So we're going to start off. So Amelia Dyer is born in, give me just a sec, because I lost her birth date, because that's the kind of thing. Okay, so she's born in 1837. Okay. All right. And 
her early life doesn't seem to be all that, all that unusual, really. Okay. Um, so there is a man named Harold Shipman who is usually considered to be Britain's worst serial killer. And he has around 250 murders that is, are ascribed to his name. But Amelia Dyer, like we said, has between two and four hundred, and very likely closer to the four hundred. Ugh. Yeah. Now, her life, she starts off, like we said, it doesn't seem like she starts off so evil and horrible. Um, she actually is born the youngest of five children, all right? And her father was a master shoemaker. She learned to read and write. So during this Victorian era that we're talking about, schools are becoming more common. You know, we're starting to see the rise of what's going to become the public, yeah, public education system in England as well as in the United States. She had apparently a great love of literature and poetry. However... Her childhood was marred. Her mother was very ill with typhus. And this typhus seems to have led also to some mental illness in her mother. Where she had violent fits. And of course, daughters back then very often taking care of parents fell on their shoulders. So she took care of her mother until her mother died in 1848. And there is a lot of conjecture that this may have been part of what led her to being the monster that she becomes. What is typhus? Typhus is a, a fairly common infectious disease. There are actually a couple of types of it. It usually begins with fever, headache, and rash. Um... It's caused by a specific type of bacterial infection. Okay. I believe it's often caused very often by dirty water. Okay. But there are t certain types of bugs like chiggers and things that bite mm -hmm. you that can also spread okay. it. So it's very, very infectious though. Like once it breaks out, it spreads very quickly. Okay. I believe it was typhus that actually killed Anne Frank and her, her sister oh. after they, they were found. So okay. yeah. So anyway, after, so her mother dies in 1848, as we said. So, um, you know, Amelia Dyer was only what, 11 mm -hmm. at that time. And she'd been nursing her mother. So you can see, you know, she was very young. And after that, she actually ends up living with her aunt for a while and then serves an apprenticeship with a corset maker. Her dad dies in 1859. And her oldest brother, Thomas, inherited the family shoe business, which, again, very common. In fact, England had a whole lot of laws protecting that transferal of family property and stuff from to the oldest son. Okay. So Amelia really has, you know, not much. And 
1861, when she's 24 years old, she is permanently estranged from at least one of her brothers. And she has moved into lodgings, which is a nice way of saying like a rental kind okay. of a situation. Um, she marries a guy named George Thomas, who's considerably older than she. He's 59. Both of them lie about their ages so that um, the age gap doesn't look so big mm -hmm. on the marriage certificate. Okay. I'm not sure why they went to that trouble because this is still a period of time where big age gaps are not really, don't seem to be yeah. that problematical. But that, because she lies on that marriage certificate, she adds six years to her age. That leads to a lot of confusion later on in her life about her true age. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so after she marries George Thomas, she trains as a nurse, which is one of the, you know, only professional fields available to a lot of women at the time. And she learns, she, she has contact with a, a midwife named Ellen Dane. And this is where she learns about a much easier way of making money. And that is baby farming. Now, that's a weird term for us today. But again, I think most people who know very much about the Victorian era know that this is a time where everything to do with sexuality was considered dirty and pushed under the carpet. You know, middle and upper class women were not even supposed to appear in public. If their pregnancies were showing, it was considered indecent. Um, this is where, you know, a lot of people talk about like the whore Madonna thing. You know, a woman is either, you know, pure and virtuous and all of that, or she's a whore and she deserves everything that comes to her. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So... Young women who find themselves pregnant really have nowhere to go. And so this baby farming was a thriving business. And what people would do is they would say, you know, they would like take let their names be known, take out an ad in the newspaper, you know, if you have a baby, you know, I'll help you adopt your baby out, basically. Or young women would also, if they found themselves in those situations, also, you know, put out an ad, I need to, I have a child, I need to give up for adoption. And that's usually how these things were handled. Okay. So, so what would happen is if a young woman found herself pregnant, she would go to Amelia Dyer, she would pay her a fee with the understanding that her baby would then be given to a nice family to be raised. What Amelia Dyer does and seems to learn from Ellen Dane, Ellen Dane, by the way, has to uh, run away to the United States shortly after meeting Amelia because she was in some trouble as well, mm. probably for doing a lot of the things that Amelia was doing. So um, what they did, and so also, by the way, I should mention this, in 1834, the British had passed a law that removed any financial obligation from the fathers of illegitimate children. Huh. So if a girl found herself pregnant, she could not go after the father for any sort of help or child support in That's any way. Dumb. Yeah. And of course, then she was a whore. She was stigmatized, you know, earning money enough to support yourself, let alone yourself and the child was practically yeah. impossible. 
And so that's how this comes about. So here's the thing that's truly awful about this. From the get-go, and again, Amelia Dyer is not the only one who does this. Many, many people do this. There was something called Godfrey's Cordial, or sometimes known as Mother's Friend. It was a syrup that contained opium. Amelia Dyer, as well as many of these other baby farmers, would give this to the babies. Babies who have opium, A, they sleep a lot, B, even when they're awake, it kills their appetite. They just starve to death. Ugh. That's disgusting. Yeah. And finally, there was a doctor who noticed that an awful lot of these children were dying. And actually um, reported her. And she did get six months hard labor for child neglect. Are you fucking joking? Right. But it's disgusting. It okay. disgusting. So um, what's even more disgusting is that Amelia Dyer has a daughter of her own named Ellen Thomas. <clears throat> and then in 1869, her much older husband, George Thomas, dies. Okay. So Amelia needs an income. So she wants to make money from this baby farming, right? She advertises to nurse and adopt a baby in return for a fairly large one-off payment. And then she would also demand adequate clothing for the child. Okay. So, I mean, she's milking this for everything because yeah. she has no intention, right? Of raising these kids. Yeah, and then she's selling the clothing or whatever. Um, after the death of George in 1869, she marries a man named William Di uh, Dyer, which is where she ends up with her last name in 1872. They have two children together, a girl named Mary Ann, who's also called Polly, and a boy named William Samuel. And this marriage just falls apart, and Amelia eventually leaves her husband. Okay? Now, most people believe that after this doctor, which this happened in 1879, by the way, that a doctor became suspicious about all of these deaths. And she was convicted of neglect, which I do not understand. No, it's fucking stupid. Right. Serves her six months. And so she decides that she, after she's released, she's going to resume her nursing career. Now, it's also around this time that she has spells that put her into mental hospitals and supposedly there were reports about her mental instability and suicidal tendencies. And however, these always coincided with times when she needed to disappear. Mm -hmm. In other words, it's pretty obvious. It's fucking convenient. Yes, that she's one of these people that you and I have railed about so often who use mental illness as a cloak. For their criminal activities. Right. Yeah. And she had worked in an asylum during her nursing career. So she really knew how to put on the show. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, however, there are also reports that she 
was an alcoholic, that she used some of these opium-based products herself, which, by the way, opium was a huge drug of choice, both in England and even in the United States. There were opium dens where people would go and smoke it. It was put into syrups and things like that. So some people think possibly this may have given some legitimacy to some of this. Okay. Anyway, after her six months and some ensuing things, she decided, A, why should I wait around for the babies just to die after I give them this opium syrup? That costs money. And why should I go to doctors to issue death certificates? So she just starts killing the babies outright as quickly as possible and disposing of the bodies. What the fuck? Yeah. Isn't this awful? It is. Yes. How is she killing them? You know, I don't know that that was ever really stated. Um, there. So let me get to this one case okay. and this might tell you. Okay. So the case that kind of starts to break this is a young woman named uh, Evelina Marmon. She was a 25-year-old barmaid, of course, finds herself pregnant and gives birth to a daughter whom she names Doris. She immediately seeks offers of adoption. She's trying to find people who will, you know, adopt her daughter. And it's very clear, and this was actually something that happened too with some regularity, that she just wanted somebody to adopt her daughter for the short term and that once she got on her feet or felt like she could, she would later reclaim her child. In the paper, she put an ad that just said, wanted respectable woman to take young child. Unfortunately enough, Right next to her own ad in the paper was one that said, Married couple with no family would adopt healthy child, nice country home, terms 10 pounds. Evelina Marmon made the mistake of responding to a, quote, Mrs. Harding, and a few days later she received a reply. So she goes and meets with Amelia Dyer, who is going to broker this deal, much like the Yorkshire witch, Mm -hmm. right, was brokering deals. And she was, she, she said she couldn't afford the fee, and she was trying to find a way to do like an affordable weekly fee to take care of her daughter. But Um, was told, no, you have to pay the full 10 pounds up front. All right. She meets with this woman who claims to be Mrs. Harding. And then, but she's like, this woman looks too old to be adopting a child. And she returns after handing over her daughter and the 10 pounds. She goes back to her lodgings, a broken woman. 
However, she does receive a letter from this Mrs. Harding who says all is well. Marmon writes back but never hears anything again. Hmm. Okay. What Mrs. Harding, who is of course actually Amelia Dyer, right. actually does with this baby is she goes to where her 23-year-old daughter Polly was staying finds some white edging tape that was used at the time in dressmaking. Okay. Winds it twice around the baby's neck and ties a knot. Mm. Here's where it gets so bad. Death would not have been immediate from this. Of course not. And Dyer later said, I used to like to watch them with the tape around their neck, but it was soon all over with them. That's just... Ugh, that's so fucking Yeah, gross. like I said, this case is just, like, I, I have no words. Mm -hmm. And what's even worse, her daughter then helps her wrap the body in a napkin. And we're not talking like a napkin you find in restaurants. We're talking right. like, you know, a big piece of cloth. They keep some of the clothes that Marmon had packed for her daughter. The rest they take to a pawnbroker. So like I said... Dyer's making sure she gets as much money off of these babies as she possibly can. Right. And it's so disgusting. I mean, just so disgusting. Um, the next day, there's another baby, a little boy, whom she also kills. He was actually 13 months old. And on the 2nd of April, both of these little bodies are stacked into a carpet bag, which was, you know, common at the time she throws in some bricks and then she throws the body into the river Thames and it seems like this was a common this wasn't the only way she would dispose of babies but it was one now unbeknownst to her the package that she dumped was not did not have enough weight on it so it came back yes and it was easily spotted now this was actually another package sorry this is not the package with the two bodies in it oh, i apologize okay. on the 30th of march 1896 another package in the river thames at reading had been found by a bargeman okay of course it was another one that dyer had dumped but she had not put enough weight in it and the tiny little corpse inside was later identified as Helena Fry. And this is where we start getting into the early days of forensics with this case. So when they looked at this poor little girl, as well as being able to identify the body, they also found a label. And they used microscopic analysis of the wrapping paper and deciphered a faintly legible name, Mrs. Thomas, and an address. That, yeah. So, and I mean, that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Like I said, that was something that was pretty new at the time. The evidence was enough to lead to Dyer, but they still didn't have enough to, to connect her directly with the serious crime. So they got additional evidence from witnesses they had information from the Bristol police, and they just kept getting more and more concerned. So they placed her home under surveillance, and they were pretty sure that if she got suspicious, she'd just run away or pull her mental illness BS or whatever. So what they did is they used a decoy. 
and they had this new client that supposedly, you know, was going to be one of her clients. And on the 3rd of April, police raided her home. They said that it was permeated with the smell of human decomposition, but they never found any human remains. What they did find was white edging tape, mm-hmm. telegrams regarding adoption, pawn tickets for children's clothing, receipts for advertisements in the newspaper, and letters from mothers inquiring about the well-being of their children. Ugh. Yes. Ugh. I know, it's not awful. They also found that it looked like she was getting ready to move. So apparently, you know, this is, London's a huge, huge city. There's lots of these little sub, what do I want to say? Like suburbs almost, or, you know, sections of the city. And she just kept moving and moving and moving around too. She would use false names. But finally, on the 4th of April, she's arrested and charged with murder, murder, Her son-in-law, Arthur Palmer, is also charged as an accessory. The Thames was dredged, and six more bodies were discovered, including little Doris Marmon and Harry Simmons. They think those were her last two victims. Those were the two that she put in the carpet bag together. Ugh. Yeah. Gets worse. Oh, no. Each baby that they found, each of those six, had been strangled with white tape. You know what she says to police? Huh? That's how you could tell it was one of mine. Oh. Oh, no. And 11 days after handing off her daughter to Dyer, Evelina Marmon identified her daughter's remains. Oh, no. Yeah. Isn't that awful? That's so sad. I, I don't understand. So in early May, they start the inquest. They're looking at all of that. They can find no evidence that her daughter, Marianne, the one who's also known as Polly, or her husband, Arthur Palmer, had acted as Dyer's accomplices. But what do you think? Probably. Of course they did. Of course I they mean, did. Yeah. Um, so they get discharged. Uh, Amelia Dyer writes a confession and it's kind of long, but I'm going to read it. It's dated April 16th, 1896. And it's part of this confession is what lets Arthur Palmer off the hook. Okay. Sir, will you kindly grant me the favor of presenting this to the magistrates on Saturday, the 18th instant, I've made this statement out for, I may not have the opportunity. Then I must relieve my mind. I do know and I feel my days are numbered on this earth. Duh. Duh, bitch. But I do feel it is an awful thing drawing innocent people into trouble. I do know I shall have to answer before my maker in heaven for the awful crimes I have committed. But as God <sighs> Almighty is my judge in heaven and on earth, neither my daughter Marianne Palmer nor her husband Alfred Ernest Palmer, I do most solemnly declare neither of them had anything at all to do with it, Bullshit. Mm-hmm. They never knew I contemplated doing such a wicked thing until it was too late. I am speaking the truth and nothing but the truth, as I hope to be forgiven, no chance, bitch, 
I myself and I alone must stand before my maker in heaven. You're going straight to hell. Mm-hmm. To give an answer for, I'll witness my hand, Amelia Dyer. What the fuck? Okay, so this is stupid. What pisses me off about that is that she wrote that confession. Basically was like, I did it, but my daughter and her husband didn't help at all. They knew nothing about it. There's no sense in hurting these innocent people who had nothing to do with it. When in reality, she was killing fucking innocent fucking babies. The innocent, the most innocent of exactly. the innocent. You know, yeah. Ugh, fucking disgusting. Yeah. So on the 26th of May, 1896, she appears at the Old Bailey. She does plead guilty to one murderer, that of Doris Marmon. Okay. Um... Her family and associates do testify at her trial that they had been growing suspicious about her activities. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it was ridiculous. Wait a minute. Okay, so how is she going to explain the fact that her daughter and her son-in-law had nothing to do with it or didn't know about it? How does she explain all of these children coming in and out of the house? I have no idea. You know what I mean? Like, how does she explain, like, bringing a baby in and then, like, oh... Here's a little bit later, baby's gone, but here's another one. Like, what the And it does fuck? say that her daughter had given graphic evidence that ensured Dyer's conviction. So. So, like, she fucking knew. Oh. I know. So, Dyer, the only defense she offers is insanity. Of course. And like we said, she had twice been committed to asylums. Right. But how real was that? We don't know. Because... Both of those committals coincided with other times in her career where she was almost caught. Or yeah, she feared, it was fucking yeah. convenient for her to be crazy. And I yeah. put that in air quotes because fuck this bitch. Okay. I, I knew this case was going to upset you and I'm sorry. It's fine. Continue. It's bad. I pick, you got to think about the fact that I'd pick cases to piss you off on <laughs> purpose. So like, so, this is fine. Well, this one, I don't know anybody that this case isn't. And like I said, I don't understand how this case isn't known by Everybody. Right. That this woman's name is not on everyone's lips. Anyway, it takes the jury four and a half minutes <laughs> to convict her. And I feel like most of that was probably reading their instructions. Yes. Um, so she spends three weeks in the condemned cell. She fills five notebooks with her last true and only confession. And the chaplain comes to her the night before her execution, as was normal, asks if she has anything she wishes to confess. Mm-hmm. She gives him the notebooks and says, isn't this enough? Now, here's what I don't understand. Because it does say that her daughter, Polly, a.k.a. Marianne, was also put on trial for murder. Set a week after her own execution date. And I don't understand because I thought she testified that Polly had been dropped. Oh, that's what it says. On the eve of her execution, Dyer heard that the charges against Polly had been dropped. So, hmm. sorry about that. On Wednesday, the 10th of June, 1896, she is hanged. Good. Fuck that bitch. Her last words... I have nothing to say. Yeah, fuck you, bitch. Yeah. Ugh. God, this one pissed me off. It's horrible. Yep. There's even a ballad 
The old baby farmer, the wretched Miss Dyer, at the old Bailey her wages is paid. In times long ago, we'd have made a big fire and roasted so nicely that wicked old jade. Jesus Christ. Yes. One thing that does happen as a result of this case is that adoption laws in England were subsequently made much stricter. Good. Local police, or local authorities, sorry, were given the power to police baby farms. So, and like I said, here's the really horrific thing. I mean, despite, I mean, her numbers are off the charts. Right. And the things that she does. But she was not the only one doing this. Yeah. And that's what's also really, truly awful. Here's something else, a little postscript. Two years after Dyers was executed, railway workers were inspecting carriages or the, the, the cars, right? The railroad cars. Um, and they found a parcel. Inside was a three-week-old baby girl. She was cold and wet, but she was alive. <gasps> Yay! The daughter of a widow, a woman named Jane Hill, oh, sorry, the daughter of a widow, the little baby, uh -huh. her name was Jane Hill. She had been given to a woman named Mrs. Stewart for 12 pounds. The woman had picked the baby up and then abandoned her on the train. So this woman, right, this Mrs. Stewart, took the 12 pounds and the baby, dumped the baby on the train, and took off. Later on, they found Mrs. Stewart. Want to guess who she really was? Fucking the daughter. Yep. Oh, yep. No. No. Fuck. Yeah. I told you. Fuck me. No. And only three of her victims have been named. Oh. Doris Marmon, four months old. Harry Simmons, 13 months old. Helena Fry who was one year old or less. We don't know her exact age. And those were the only ones that we know by name. Fuck that bitch. Yeah. And her daughter. Yeah. Like I said, I still can't get over this case. That was fucking... I don't understand people... Like, you and I have talked about this so many times. But that whole thing of harming children. But... How do you fucking do it? And I, then... Yeah. I mean, she takes a baby farm and turns it into... A baby murder factory. Right. I mean, this is a systemic, almost factory line sort of horror. That's that disgusting. I can't wrap my mind around. Ugh. So, that's my case. The Ogress of Reading, Amelia Dyer. May Ugh. she burn in hell. I didn't like that. I'm sorry. That's okay. I, I know even... when I leave you speechless, I found a bad one. Yeah. And this was a bad one. Yeah. But like I said, it was crazy because it does. It overlaps with Ripper. And I mean, we only know of what, there's what, six canonical Jack the Ripper victims? Like mm -hmm. something like, like that. Yeah. That yeah. we know. I mean, there's, there's like... and then there's a couple on the peripheries maybe, but I think it's six it's for sure, right like around that. there. Yeah. I could be wrong. You Correct me, listeners. But, you know, everyone knows that case, and everyone knows every detail. And I will bet you dollars to donuts that the majority of people, even those of us who are true crime aficionados, 
I've never heard of this monster. Right. And it's 200 to 400 babies. And just based on, I think, you know, some of the forensic going back, looking at the articles, just, you know, statistically, it's probably closer to the higher number. Which, Hmm. yeah. Yeah, I didn't enjoy that. I'm sorry. But I can't even be mad about it because I pick cases purposely to piss you off because I'm like, ooh, this is a permit. (laughs) And honestly, I didn't pick, I, I picked this one because of its proximity to the Ripper murders, which mm-hmm. everyone knows about. And then as I got into the case, just the sheer horror of it, that how the hell could people not know about this? Yeah, and I mean, and granted, had I come across this case, that probably would have been something that I'd have been like, uh, yes, please. Mm-hmm. You know well, I mean? and we've talked so often, too, about, you know, for instance, how sex workers are devalued, and so their murders just, you know, go on. And... Women and children, statistically, are the victims of murder far more often. They have far more legal standing in many of these countries historically. And, for instance, the United States still today, women are not recognized in the Constitution. You know, and it's just, and children are consistently uh, not given rights, you know, and are so often still victimized by adults and we don't necessarily do anything about it yeah it's disgusting yeah i'm mad now but that's i'm okay. sorry okay so smoke break we'll come back yes fine. <laughs> yeah we'll get over this so we will let us know what you think of this horrific case or give us more horrific cases that mm-hmm. will traumatize both of us uh email us at state of crime podcast at gmail.com Check out our Twitter and our Instagram, which the lovely and talented Cheryl is going to be making much more wonderful for us. We have right. great faith in her. I've done pretty well with Instagram You lately. have. You have done well. I have. I've I been, have sucked I've at Twitter. I've been back on it a little bit. I've been on it, but I just, I'm not good. So, and um, please, if you're listening on Apple products. Yes, go ahead and go on your Apple podcast and rate and review us. Make sure you send us some suggestions. Join our Facebook discussion group because that's yeah. a fun place to be. Yeah. Um, and Kaylin's going to go smoke a cigarette and I'm going to watch her and we're going to try to get over this trauma. And go on to another case, my case that also has, I don't know if I want to say Tizer Connections, but it is also icky around the Jack the Ripper okay. type. It ate influence. Jack the Ripper was influenced. Okay. was an influence here. All right. I don't really know how to describe it. He's involved so. <laughs> without being involved. So join us next time <laughs> and find out how. Thanks for listening.